1: Hello and welcome to the One Shot Podcast, the cricket podcast of the Sports Gazette. I'm Ayush, your host for today. And as usual, I've got the band with me, Toby and Michael. Toby, how are you? Yeah,
2: excited. Really excited. Should be a good podcast. Got some guests on later, which I'll tease there. But um, first video podcast as well, so it's exciting.
1: Exciting times. Michael, thoughts on today? Excited? Yeah, excited
0: to put uh, faces to names after, you know, what, 19 episodes we're finally on camera. So, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: As the guy said, today is our first video podcast. For those of you who listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts, you can head to the Sports Gazette website and on the Sports Gazette YouTube pages where where you will see today's uh, video podcast. So, guys, another the special another reason that this is a special episode today is not just, of course, it's the first video podcast, but it's the second consecutive one shot podcast where we're talking about women's cricket exclusively today, and today's focus is going to be the women's test that's coming up, India versus England, that's happening at the DY Patil Stadium in Navi Mumbai, starting tomorrow. Well, before we speak about it among ourselves, I'll ask Toby and Michael their thoughts on the test as well and on women's test cricket in general. We're first going to see what Nick Friend, who's a cricketer with the journalist, had to say uh, on this topic. You might remember Nick Friend from one of our previous episodes and Sports Gazette's Edie Ashton spoke to Nick just Earlier this week to get his thoughts on everything.
3: First topic that I wanted to touch on with you today is just the lack of women's test cricket in general and to give listeners a bit of context to this debate. So, it starts from the stats I've found there's been 288 women's test matches compared to over 2,000 men's test matches. And then there's not only that gender discrepancy, but also within the teams in women's international cricket, there's huge inequalities. So like Australia played 26, and then you look at South Africa who played 13, Sri Lanka played one. So there's obviously that huge team discrepancy. Um, and then more stats. India have not hosted a test match since 2014, and the one on Thursday, yeah, pretty much eight, nine years. <laughs> and that they played against South Africa in 2014. And then there's... Uh, from the ICC Future Tours programme, there were seven tests announced between 2022 and 2025. So that only seven, which is not a lot. And it's only England, Australia, India, South Africa that are the ones that schedule matches, leaving out a lot yeah. of countries. And England not, are not playing a test match in summer. So with all of that in mind, all of that context, um, what are your thoughts on the situation? should there be more test matches should there not be more test matches what would that look like kind of where do you sit in this whole debate
4: um I, I can't see why at the very least there can't be a test in every I think what women's cricket's got has done really well is created this multi, these multi-format series where there is context and relevance to everything and actually within that th- there is definitely space for a test match in every multi-format series and I think it is also probably true to say that there are there are some cases where you'd be looking at a mismatch, and perhaps it isn't worth—not say worthwhile—but you know how. I know Sri Lanka won the T20 series, I say in England last year, but what actually is the format got longer, and they played the ODI series. It was extremely one-sided, and, and teams at different stages of development. You know, I—I I don't necessarily think there is always a case for every series to uh, or every matchup to, to include a test, but but I can't see why that in the marquee series of every. Um certainly every English summer and certainly when England's yeah, I guess talking spring England, I guess Anglocentric and talking here, I can't see why there isn't the option for one. I mean, because I mean, on frankly, for no other reason that if you ask the players what they want, they want to play more test cricket. I mean Alexander Richards made a hundred on test debut when was it, twenty twenty two against Africa. Um she wasn't picked for twenty twenty, she wasn't picked for the Ashes Test, and she's not in the squad in India it's very possible that she would retire and played one test having I mean batted once and having I mean made 107. Um, and, you know, you look at that and that would just never happen. That would just never happen in the men's game. And that's, and granted, these things are not necessarily comparable, you know, between, between the men's game and the women's game just because, I guess, the resource involved the, I mean, sorry, the resource the men's game has had for not longer than the women's game. Um, but when Susie Bates says that she would love to play a test match, it seems mental that Someone's given that much New Zealand cricket for almost two decades hasn't played one. Um, it seems mad that, um, as, you said, as you said before, you know India haven't hosted for 10 years, uh, or coming up to 10 years. New Zealand haven't played one since 2004. I think it's the same with Pakistan, same with West Indies. Um, mm. Obviously, and I guess, I think haven't played one this century. Um, and yeah, as you say, seven test matches in the Future Tours programme was sort of sold as this, like, side of progress, because it was more than, I think, what was it, four in the previous one? I wanna say. Um, so I think frustratingly, as ever with the women's game, it is I can't remember I might I can't remember who said this. It might have been do not want to say it was Taya Bowman. it might not have been, but um but too often the women's game are tiny gains presented as massive gains. Um and from, from four to seven, if it was four, I can't quite remember if it was, but it was fewer than seven which is the main point, that is not some massive step up. England will play ordinarily at least six or seven a year. I'm um, sorry, England men will play at least six, six or seven a year. So, um, and yeah, as I say, if, if you speak to the players, they love it. Um, they want to play more of it. And I'm sure we'll get to this in a bit, but, like the, but it becomes much harder to get good at it if you're playing so sporadically. I mean, Heather Knight is a very good Test match cricketer, but she plays one a year. And she's talked before about how Essentially, that means when you go and play, when you when you do have you get when you, when you do get a game, you can't necessarily play the way that England want to play their cricket at the moment, which is aggressive, fearless, because you, you you're desperate to play Test cricket. And you might have one game a year game a year, which means you've got maximum two innings a year. And if you go in there and get caught mid off the ball trying to clear the field, then that is your that that might be your Test not for for twenty twenty three. So, um, whereas you know it's much easier for England's men, for example, to play. To play basketball, as it were, because if you fail today, you'll get another go in two days, and you'll get another go in, you know, a week down the line. It's a four-match series or a five-match series, and then you know, and and you can you can develop your game and improve your game. Whereas at the moment, each one is played as an exhibition almost, and and every preview you sort of feel bad sitting there in a press conference, asking the same old questions to whoever's put up about would you would you would you like to play more Test cricket? What um, what it mean to, be, to to play a Test here, and what's it mean to be, you know play a Test you know? there like it, it's it, you know you seem to go around in circles a bit with it despite um as i say despite the will of the players being very much in favor of of play more of it because ultimately particularly this era well i guess still this era you've got a lot of players who grew up in an age before women's cricket was regularly televised let's say certainly to, or, or beyond televised I guess, I guess certainly wasn't advertised or marketed in the same way as now which means actually a lot of players grew up watching being the men of 2005 let's say um if you grew up on 2005 you grew up on test cricket you grew up on that's what got you into the game so you want to play it whether you're male female 20 40 whatever um so that is the yeah that's it. I I've ram- I've probably I've probably asked one question there but that's my my general thought is if the players want to do it and it objectively makes the game stronger then it seems and also when we have tests we when we have tests that aren't rain affected anyway they, they tend to be really good games I mean, the gained the, the ashes test this year was a good game of cricket the previous ashes test in our uh, was that canberra it was a fantastic game that england frankly should have won and then almost lost um but part of the reason they lost that they will say is because they've got no frame of reference how i mean england haven't won a test in a decade um but that doesn't mean they've lost 50 games it means they've not won in I'm going to throw another number out. I think it's seven. It could be nine. Um, but point being, they just not played very many.
3: Yeah, and uh, with the players wanting to play so many test matches, then, what would you say is, to what extent does infrastructure play a role in stopping that happening? Like, for you, what is holding it back?
4: Well, I think the will of administrators, mainly. I think that's... Um, I'm sure, you know, I, I can't say that. I, I'm, I I do believe that the ECB would like to have a Test match every summer. Um, I would say that. Um, I I think if you take Test cricket as a wider thing, not just women's Test cricket, what keeps Test cricket alive in this country is the fact that it's still, men's Test cricket alive in this country, is, is the fact that it still sells out. You'll still get 30,000 at Lords every day. You'll still... There is still demand. It's probably still the most lucrative. I mean, sorry, it's still the most lucrative part of the broadcast deal. I think um, I should know that. I think that's right. Um, so I guess, and you know, the test, attempt, test at Trent Bridge against Australia in the summer, women's test was was great, but it, but it wasn't a sellout for any of the five days. Um, so perhaps as part of it, because ultimately, test cricket is expensive to host, and that's not just women's game. Finding out that, that is very much the men's game and frankly 80% of test playing nations at the moment, you know, that, that is what they're finding. So um that's not a new issue. It might it is new to women's test credits we're talking about because we're now talking about increasing the load of something that, that really for quite a long time was you know was just sort of stagnating and not really and sort of happened when it happened. Um there's that and as I say I think there is also I do I do genuinely think there is a point here about matchups. You don't want to have a you know if England played a five day test against Pakistan for example next summer we are talking about two two, de- two teams at very different points in their trajectory, um, and I mean, for what its worth, Pakistan are growing as a, as a side, and I've had a I mean, they have had ai think had a pretty good winter, and you know, I think you'd hope that the more countries invest in the one's game, the more viable this conversation becomes for, for all for all nations. Um, but but equally, I don't necessarily see a, an issue with a mismatch. Like, mismatches happen. Um, I. But yeah, it is... But I think ultimately, as with all these things, it falls to administrators because, so the players... (laughs) Unfortunately, the players can't just grab a bat and a ball, organise a game and then rent out, you know, edge bats in five days. Like It's not on them. Um, They can make their point and they've made their point pretty clearly on this topic um, and you'd hope that gets listened to. Um, But I say, I can't see why there isn't at least one test in every single multi-format series played. Um, And... Also, the sanctity of Test cricket doesn't help with this. People talk about, you know, the way we talk about Test cricket. I don't think it's always particularly healthy. I don't understand why teams that aren't necessarily the greatest in the world shouldn't be able to play a four-day game of cricket or a five-day game of cricket. So, when I talk about mismatches, I mean you don't want a game that could theoretically end in a day and a half. But there is, but I don't, I don't see issue with. I, I don't, I don't understand. There is no reason beyond the finances, I guess, why. Pakistan shouldn't play Bangladesh in, in, in women's test cricket. You know, um, you've got to start somewhere. You you can't just keep on saying we can't do this because they're not good enough and then never allow them to be good enough. Um, but as I say, I think that is a side issue to the main one, which is how test cricket as a game in general, male, male and female, funds itself outside of the big series, outside of big countries.
3: Yeah, I think you've touched on the, all the points extremely well. Um, I think, lastly, on this topic, I just wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned about the mismatch and kind of quality and resources, but with there not being much Red Bull infrastructure, is that, like, a big, like, factor in this, or is it...
4: You mean domestically?
3: Yeah, domestically, in each it, country.
4: It feels a bit chicken neck, doesn't it? Like, it's a lot... Mm. If you take the men's game... If Test cricket died, hard to see how the County Championship sustains itself or why it would sustain itself. Um, because ultimately, domestic the domestic game exists in large part to prepare you for the international game. You know, other reasons as well, particularly in the men's game where you've got teams who are 100 plus years old. So like there is a, a tribalism, a history, a tradition to fall back on. In the women's game, where you don't necessarily have that side of it because you've got, currently you've got these new, let's say new three-year-old regional, uh, regional hubs. I can understand why it's, a, it's, a, it's really interesting one because England say England DCB have said they're keen to play more test cricket. And oh. it always feels a bit odd to me that you know that you know take the basketball a series, for example, it always feels odd that the game with the most points riding on it isn't the format that no one practices all year round. So there is certainly something to be said that if even if you're playing a game a year, if it's going to be the, you know, as it was in the summer, if it is going to be the marquee game in which the series is decided, you know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be prepping for it? I guess, I guess the answer. I guess if you ask that question, the answer might be, well, would our would our Test eleven or who are we doing that for really? I think there's more scope in the short term for a North South series of the best players in the country to play, to play some multi-day cricket, to play a multi-day series. of a uh, three, five match series maybe of, of four day or of, of four, five day games, then it's actually if, if we're talking about how the domestic infrastructure that prepares you for test cricket when there aren't many test played anyway, rather than as much as I'm talking purely feasibility here really, I guess. Um, because there is no reason there's no reason why there shouldn't be a women's Red Bull comp among the eight regions. But if we're looking purely at how you develop a team for a test match, I suppose the answer might be well, you know, we know what our pool is. And the pool is not, you know, the, the, the realistic pool for the next test currently is not 100 players. It's, or, or however many players, in, you know, the contracts the eight, the eight regions now. Um, realistically, it's likely to be 15, 20, 25 max, maybe. Um, you know, with a few bolters like Lauren Filer, who um actually got anything in the team because they like the idea of having someone who was a bit taller, a bit quicker, who could, could make a difference when when the ball wasn't swinging um, in the test. And obviously, she's gone, gone from there. Um sort of the same reason as you one made a debut when was that last 20, June 2022. So you've got your they've got a pool. Within that pool there's definitely that they should definitely be playing much more Red Bull cricket. Feasibly, also as as a feasibility thing, I I if it's feasible, I can't see why there isn't if it is feasible, there isn't a reason why there shouldn't be an eight team competition other than um, what is it preparing players for? If there is so little women's test cricket, I, I certainly think the domestic schedule needs changing and needs. Once well, it's changing, needs increasing. Um, I think it's something like twenty-four. So yeah, you play twenty. I think you play twenty-four group games in twenty twenty-four as as a women's regional player. Ten in the Charlotte Edwards, fourteen in the Athlone, plus. Finals games. I think you'd effectively play 27, 28 if you won. If you won both comps, you'd have played 28 games, I think is what it is, um, because they've now got semi-finals in both comms. 20, 28 days of cricket across the summer is still not very much. Obviously, you've got 100 as well. So we're talking 28 days of cricket between April, May, June, July, September. So essentially, I know it's not quite how it works out, but five days of cricket a month is, is, is frankly, not not is, is rubbish. Um, there is much more space for much more. Whether that's a red ball comp or an increased white ball comp, that is, I guess for that that is for the game to decide. Uh, but if you're going to have a red ball comp, I think you'd need, I, I think you would want, you'd want to know that's going to result in more test cricket or at least more opportunities to play it, or at least there is the very least more reason to play it. So, if if you know what I mean, um, so I think ultimately that is that is the main driver of the county championship right now from a men's perspective is having a men's test is having a men's test team at the end of it. Um, What you can't have, going back to the the David Davidson Richards example, is a situation where you've got someone who's really good at it, you know, previously really good at it, plays one game, misses one game, and is now coming up to 18 months since her last game of Red Bull cricket when she made 107. Same with Tammy, double 100 in a test match, doesn't get to think about Red Bull cricket for the next, what was that, seven months essentially, isn't it, for the six months. So, the whole, I, I would be completely in favour. Um, which I hope I've made, myself, which I hope I've made clear. Um, of, yeah, of, but it is a, it is chicken neck to a point. I can see, for example, why there isn't a. I can see why I say this, slightly blindly, I don't actually know if this is true, but I, I'm guessing there's no domestic rebel structure in Sri Lanka, for example. If you've not played a test match since 1998, you can sort of see why, um, and likewise. That is when we talk about sort of the mismatch thing. I don't necessarily think England should have played a test match against Sri Lanka in September. Um, you know, because because you're asking players who played Nash's test three months earlier to play against players who very possibly haven't played a rebel game for twenty-five years, and obviously in that case it wouldn't be the same players. So it's but you've got to start somewhere, and whether that is domestically, whether that is an increased test schedule, that is up to the game. But I do, but I do think it. Needs and crucially, it shouldn't all be about short-term financial revenue. If you if you don't think you're going to sell out now, that's not a reason not to play something. It's a reason to market it better so you do sell it out, um, or it's a reason to play play at the slightly smaller ground, um, which I know is not the direction of travel for the game. But if you play if you're playing Test cricket in front of six thousand at a ground that is six thousand capacity, that is almost certainly a better look than playing and feels better than playing 6,000 where you could get 30,000 in. Um, but you'd hope that those two move hand in hand with the with the way the game is going. And a couple of years' time, you're in a position where England host Australia for another Ashes tests and it's selling out across five days, just like the Menzies.
3: So it's almost on the ICC the, or the administrators to put the games in, and then from there, run we well, can see what happens.
4: Yes, although, I, yeah, ICC, I mean, ICC, as ever, particularly the women's game, could always do more. <laughs> should always do more. Um but there is nothing to stop there's nothing to stop national governing bodies arranging a test match within within their tour as long as they're test as long as they're full test nations. I guess that is the only um which they obviously are doing in the context of the women's FTP. Certainly we're concerned. Um so yeah, I mean it's on it's on the boards. It's on the boards to listen to their players. You know, the I so say the idea that Susie Bates will retire without I think I'm right in saying that. I'm fairly certain Susie Bates no played a test. No a... um. n um, I mean I'm, yeah it, like you could you could look down that list of um when when players like when countries last played test cricket. So DeAndre Dotton went to play the test um Bismarck Marie went to play a test Susie Bates Amelia Kerr Sophie Devine Haley Matthews um uh Jamias Patu you know, we're talking there about some of the. I mean, talking players that that that's like three or four of the top ten players in the world haven't played the format of the sport that chances are a lot of them grew up on, grew up watching rather, and and the sport and, and the format of the sport that even the women's game is is where, where it's played so rarely is the pinnacle, um, which feels sort of quite profoundly unfair, more than anything else. Um, and yeah, and um, yeah. So I, I think the game. I also think, like, if you look, take the way the women's game is grown in England and the responsibility and and the the role played in that by the players, whether that was Catherine Brunt, Natsi Brunt, Heather Knight, Tammy Brown, whoever it's been along the way, they they did they, they, they done. And I mean, and obviously well before that, Rachel right, Flynn, Charlotte Edwards, Sarah Taylor, all the, all these great sort of pioneers, of the pioneers of the game. You, you'd think that if. I don't know they've they, they've done so much of the game. You think if if they say we need more test cricket, just listen. Like cause everything they've done has um you know been everything they've done has been every, every the, the role they have played in, in the growth of this game is is enormous um and, and continues to be. And the more days of cricket they can play, the better. So, um, so chuck chuck a five-day game in the middle of it, then, then, you know, that can only be a good thing.
3: With the, so I'll just set out, so the the debate is, should we have four-day or five-day test matches? Um, And basically, for the five, the argument in favour, of the five-day argument, obviously, it's what men do. Um, The Ashes was the first women's test with play on all five days, and the quality of the cricket was insane. There was a great total of runs scored and there was a good result which proves that we need to see more five days and not draws um and then other writers were saying that there was no need for sporting declarations to keep the match alive and both play teams could like play their innings out to a natural conclusion um and then the four-day argument is more sure five-day test matches can be thrilling but is there the infrastructure as we've talked about earlier and the standard that will deliver consistently? And you could maybe instead have more test matches at four days between more teams um on more good surfaces. So yeah, the question is where do you sit in that debate? And is there any more you want to add?
4: I've always just thought the four day argument is really weak. Like you know, you sort of it up there. Like the, the four day argument. I mean, the I've always I, when I said earlier the England haven't won since twenty fourteen. It's not like they've gone and lost every time they played. You know, they I've been a Jeez, I've been at a very boring draw in 2019 when rain got in the way of a day and a half. Of it. So it was a four-day game, essentially a two and a half-day game at Taunton between England and Australia. Um, Australia needed a draw to win to retain the Ashes, so they did what any good team would do, and they didn't. They didn't make a sports and decoration. They they batted and batted and batted and batted out of it. There was no, there was no hope of result. There may well have been if that had gone five days. 2021 was risk against India four day game uh, India blocked it out for a draw on the final day some of which was rain affected um, used pitch which was taking a bit of an issue at the time more optically I think than anything else actually ironically used pitch in a four day game is probably quite handy because it's the only way you know you, you if you have a really good batting batting streak for four days and you don't have let's say the extra pace of the men's game when the ball goes flat, unless you've got a world-class spinner, you shouldn't take many wickets. Um, and that's not just women's cricket, that's that's just the game in general. Um that was a draw, that was a good game of cricket, but that but but that was a good game of cricket, if I remember correctly, partly because of how enterprising some of the players were. Well, I think Sophia Dunkley batted brilliantly. Um Shafali Verma in both innings went out and whacked it. Um so there were individuals on both teams who, who moved the game along. I remember Anja Shrubsall. Was it Trump Solid belted it? Yeah, did she whack like forty-seven? I think. Yeah, it was forty-seven off thirty-three balls. Um, Completely impressive, her. But yeah, day that was a draw. Four days, twenty twenty-two, South Africa England would have won it. Um, last day rained all day at Taunton, Taunton, um, with South Africa following on and a night watcher uh, Sekakune. I think it was who was able to bat it out with. I want to say Marizane. Actually, I don't know if it was Cup, I think it was. Um, point being, you've got three games there that were all impacted by the weather. Um, the and they're, just, they're, and they're just the home test. I mean, test in, the brilliant four-day test in Australia was a, a rarity. It was, also, it was also born out of a declaration from Australia, seven down, setting in, setting in about 260 to win. Um, in fact, two declarations from Australia. Now... When we talk about we said earlier, like about the exhibition side of it and these big players like one-off games, where players every single time say that they all admit they almost sort of feel forced to put on a show because of so little test cricket, it's almost like a come and get me, plea for, for more women's test cricket. This is what we can do, this is it, give us more. You shouldn't have to play you shouldn't have to play a game like that. You shouldn't have to play a pinnacle you shouldn't have to get play a game that's meant to be the pinnacle of the get pinnacle of the sport at with that in the back of your mind, you know, oh shit, we've got to put on a good show for everyone or else they won't give us another test. Part of that, it goes back, part of that is the four day stuff. You can afford to play test, test cricket at, at the rate the test cricket demands, the, at the rate that the, that the game, that the game in front of me demands if it's five days long. You'll generally get, you know, you'll generally get a result and generally, if it doesn't, if you don't get a result, it's have been put played an absolute flat one, there've been a million runs scored or you've ended up with quite a good finish you only go look at the men's county championship. Lancashire drew ten out of fourteen games last season in four-day cricket. They play fourteen games, so there is, you know, draws are valuable. They they add up over the course of the season. But a draw in a one-off game, it doesn't do anything for anyone. What why was it there? Otherwise, it doesn't impact the, it doesn't impact the multiple format series in terms of the point structure. It doesn't unless you added bonus points or something, which I don't think. You know, I'd rather just have a game that you're more likely to get a win. A winner or a loser from, and if you get a draw after five days and both teams play really well, whereas at the moment it doesn't feel like got to, it doesn't feel like you have to do an awful lot, particularly if the pitch is slow and dead and scoring becomes scoring quickly becomes quite tough. You don't have to do an awful lot to avoid defeat and 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 draw. Um, and yeah, I, I, it it just seems re- a really straightforward argument. I, I've never understood that. I don't even think there is a four-day argument beyond beyond really cynical administration. Um, There's nothing about four-day test cricket, four-day women's test cricket, that adds to the spectacle um, that couldn't exist with five days. But what you do get is almost every time when it's four days, particularly in England, you always get rain and then you always end up, essentially, you know, this is just journalists journalist covering it, let alone a player. If you lose a day to rain, everyone there sort of knows what, you know, how this is going to end. You've got to play bloody well to, to win a game in three days. Um, at any level um, and the obvious have to body badly it only takes someone to you know um, pull the drawbridge up and and say over my dead body and, and chances are you'll, you know you get away with it whereas five day test cricket there is just less room for that and, and so there's not a sporting reason I don't think that you know and we may well see it in the next, in the next week with the, with this India test I don't know why it's gone to four days I don't think it makes much sense um and we'll get one, we'll get one or two, one or two kinds of pitches. If it's really flat, it'll be a draw, and if it spins, it certainly won't be a draw. And if the two Z is back, like they're back in the T Twenty series, probably won't need day three.
3: Yeah, you've illustrated the situation perfectly. So
4: yeah. I can't set. add
3: anything. You've just covered it all, and like it, it's like a symptom of the problem like the fact that we only talk about it when this happens and then we just don't talk about it again for 12 months.
1: But. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. Guys, really interesting thoughts there from Evie and Nick on the women's test match and women's test cricket in general because it's, it's quite, I mean, it's saddening and it is a bit still shocking to me that we're still having this debate where the women's cricketers are battling for more and more test cricket. It's been a while, it's been ages and we have the same conversation again. It's, it's like we're playing in circles. Toby, some great insights from Nick and Evie, uh, but... You know, talking about the domestic structure as well, about having more tests, having four days or five days. What do you make of everything?
2: Yeah, no, it's a really good conversation. Personally, I like to see five-day test matches. I think it should be the same for men's and women's. I don't really see a, a reason otherwise. If anything, I'd say the women often seem to to bat for longer and, and manage to score more runs um, than a lot of the men's tests, which in particular over recent years are, are lasting two, three days. I mean, you only have to go back to to England last time in India, the men's side when, what was it, down in Ahmedabad? Two-day test match, three-day test match. Uh, So it's not that uncommon. And I think five days, I don't really see why there there should be any difference between the the men's and the women's game. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a shame that there's the continual talk about the need for more test match cricket, but there's never any action behind it. Um, I mean, I absolutely love women's test match cricket. I love men's test match cricket just love test cricket generally. Um, I was there at Trent Bridge last year for, for the Ashes, for the women's test match. Um, it was great two days out I had down there. Saw Tammy Beaumont double hundreds. Um, and I mean, the 25,000 people who went down for test match seemed to, to love it as well. So I don't really see any issues as to why there's, there's not enough, or why they're not producing enough test match cricket. So I think it's an interesting conversation and, and hopefully in the next sort of decade, next five years, there'll be some more action and, and more women's test matches.
1: And Michael, like Toby said, the Ashes test, I was going to speak to you about that as well. I think it's one of the most exciting test matches I've ever seen, be it men's or women's cricket, and it was great. A five-day test, we got a result on the fifth day, so that's exactly what, you know, we want with... The women should have more five-day matches as well. We saw it go down to the wire on the fifth day. Nick also mentioned about, you know, there's no reason why the ICC and the other boards cannot have at least one test match in every series between the women right now the last three years cycle just to put some context into this entire debate the 2022 to 2025 cycle has seven tests which is as many as test matches as many test matches as we've seen in seven years before that that's just wild to me and even though we have okay now seven tests in the three-year cycle it's still pretty less where do you stand on this entire thing? Why can't they have more test match? Why can't they have the women's team playing more test matches? And why are we still having this debate?
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with everything. Evie, Nick, Toby, yourself. 100% agree with everything you said. Um, I don't understand why there's so few test matches, really. Um, I think, like, like Nick said in the podcast earlier on, um, it's that it's the most... Um, profitable part of the broadband broadcast deal um, in the men's game, the Test. So it obviously makes money. Like you just said, Toby, a lot of people turned up in the summer for the Ashes. It was a great, great occasion, amazing game. Um, And yeah, I just, I think, I'm I'm not sure what the reason is for it. Is it because they're trying to make women's cricket more exciting with lower, you know, limited over? matches maybe but yeah I, I i don't understand it i love test cricket and i i definitely want there to be more women's games
1: don't we all just love test cricket i mean it's, it's even in the men's team in men's game where we're seeing uh the debate over the last few years for more and more test cricket but with women we need at least some test cricket right and another thing that you know puts the women's game on the back foot is the fact that even in the test cricket that's there it's just four teams that are playing This three-year cycle that I spoke about, 2022 to 2025, seven tests, each of those tests feature India, England, Australia, and South Africa. Two of those teams. We're not seeing so many of the other teams. I mean, take New Zealand, for example, and I did do an article as well about this, which you guys can read on Sports Gazette, about the women's test cricket and the match that's coming up, was the likes of Susie Bates and Sophie Devine from New Zealand have never played a test match in their lives. It's just wild to think. Imagine that happening with someone like a Kane Williamson. It would be such a big deal in the men's game, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's we keep going around in circles. I think even Nick spoke about that, where it the onus is on the administrators to have to kind of really take charge of this and get more and more women's tests. But, uh, yeah, I think... They summed it up pretty well in what they discussed as well, Nick and Evie. And let's just talk more about this test match specifically, India versus England. First test, like I mentioned, the first test in India in nine years. Every time I mention this, even if I mention it twice in the space of a few minutes, it just seems crazy to me. But yeah, let's move on from that. First test happening here, England is the team that's played test cricket more recently. Six months ago, the Ashes that we spoke about, India haven't played in a couple of years. The last time India played a Test match was against England in England a couple of years ago. So, Toby, let me start with you on this one. Where do you, What do you see happening in this Test match? Because it's a big opportunity for England, given that they have more experience in Test cricket and with more established players in the side as well to get a really a win that they would cherish for a long time.
2: Yeah, I think it's quite a hard one to call really as you mentioned England have played more recently but I don't think that's actually saying that much or or that useful to describe because it was six months ago when they last played a test match I mean under normal circumstances if Tammy Beaumont came off a double hundreds in the last test in sort of the men's format you'd kind of think oh yeah she scored a double hundreds you know a few weeks ago or a couple days ago even if you're playing that, that consistently whereas when it's six months it doesn't really feel like the form can be carried on that easily um so it's quite a hard one to call. You would think that, that England would hopefully be better prepared just because they have a lot more experience. I mean, Harman Precourt, the Indian captain, has played three Test matches in a 10-year career, effectively, um, which just doesn't really seem to make much sense and, and shows that they're not going to be that... Um, not necessarily going to know that well how to play a Test match. I mean, they obviously have, have watched a lot of Test cricket and, and have played a few games, but there there isn't that sort of natural ability almost and a lot of the, the women's players for england will will have the same kind of issues i reckon i mean if you if you looked at i don't know a, a generic men's player after three test matches you're going to say that they're, they're new to the game they're still finding their way they're, they're still trying to work out how best to, to play test cricket and it's the same for for the majority of the women i mean heather knight's played 11 test matches i think over her her 10 year 15 year career um which is far and away the most pretty much i think within within the Um, within the sides. So it's hard to call either way. I think you would have to put England just ahead because they have played a bit more. I think they probably also have a better lineup as well. I think having Sophie Eccleston in there could be a a game changer. She's such a good bowler. Um, Number one ODI bowler, number one T20 bowler for God knows how long now. Um, And probably going to be the number one test bowler if, if she can get a few wickets down in India, which you'd hope she would be able to.
1: She would. I mean, if there's someone that you bank on Playing in those conditions, it is Sophie Eccleston. Michael, talking about Eccleston, I mean, she came back after surgery. It was a bad injury that she caught at the 100, and then she was out for months, surgery, and she comes back, bowls in the T20 series that we just seen with India, as if she was never away. I mean, just coming, picking wickets for fun, helping England win the series 2-1. Do you think she's going to be the most important player, given that we're playing in India, or someone like... Of a Brunt or Heather Knight. Yeah, I mean, I've,
0: Eccleston's probably the best bowler that England have. Uh, Ten wickets in the Ashes in the summer. Amazing performance there and really good in the T20s last week. Um, but like you said, she has just come off, you know, um, surgery. So that could play a part. Test cricket's more demanding. If, he, if she's bowling 40-plus overs, you know, that's going to uh, put a lot of strain on her. So yeah, uh, I think pace might be a little bit more important. Um, there's actually a really uh, interesting article in, on BBC Sport um, looking at the games in the WPL oh, yeah. and the uh, IPL uh, that were held at the uh, DY Patil yes. Stadium, um, and that actually, on average, there are more wickets from pace bowlers than spin bowlers. Um, so spin bowlers average a wicket about every 20 runs whilst uh no sorry pace bowlers average a wicket every 20 runs uh whilst spinners is more about 27 so you know in in the test format that could be quite interesting and see Kate Cross leading England's attack I think she could be maybe have a bigger impact than Eccleston across the test but you know is an amazing bowler and I'm sure she'll have a massive impact as well um, and also India's spin bowlers will probably have a lot of fun because England's batters aren't the best at playing against spin but they have they've actually um, held a spin batting camp in Mumbai um, the head coach has taken them there and done a little bit of practice on that so maybe we'll see some improved uh, performances but yeah so I think India spinners and England's pace bowlers are the ones to watch.
2: I think it's quite interesting you mentioned the pace there because uh, I think there's almost no guarantee, and Kate Cross in particular, I think there's almost no guarantee that Kate Cross does necessarily play. I think England yeah. actually could have a bit of a selection issue um, or, or trouble on their hands anyway, because they have three very good seam bowlers. Kate Cross, Lauren Bells, very good, arguably bowled better than, than Kate Cross uh, for large parts of the Ashes. And Lauren Viler, who's come out of nowhere pretty much, debuted in that test match in the Ashes for England. Um, and looked absolutely lethal bowls, best part of 80 mile an hour um, and, and arguably that's more important on, on what could be quite a docile pitch in India and, and often are quite flat pitches so maybe a bit of pace could be useful um, I, I'd assume that it might be Lauren Filer alongside Kate Cross in which case together they might be able to take the new ball, get a few wickets um, but I think it'll be interesting to see yeah, the selection and, and maybe the troubles they might have um, with that
0: They've yeah. definitely got some good options with Nat, Nat Scarver Brunt in there as well. Amazing. Some really good pace ball options.
2: Very there. much so.
1: And yeah, it, it would be interesting to see, like you said, that, you know, they might go with one of Lauren Bell or Lauren Filer mm-hmm. in the 11 eventually. And Lauren Filer, yes, I think maybe on current form as well. And the way she's just burst onto the scene, she could come in as well, but Lauren Bell would add a little bit of more variety to the attack. So... Yeah, it would be very interesting to see how they go with the selection as well. And that's something I spoke to uh, Georgie Heath about as well, who is a freelance sp- journalist, post-journalist, and is the host of the Women's Cricket Chat podcast. And, Michael, there was something that you spoke about, Sophie Eccleston, with her workload management as well, because she's just coming off surgery. She's bowled a lot in these T20s. And there's going to be a reliance on her, almost an over-reliance on Sophie Eccleston to get those wickets, if we do end up seeing a typical India wicket. So that's because test cricket is the one format which is hardly played in the women's game. The prioritization is always for the white ball formats. And again, when you want to see, and when the top stars themselves want to play more test cricket, the limited chances they get, there's a good chance that their workload uh, management will be prioritized and they'll have to set out the test. So that's another problem that women's test cricket is facing in terms of its growth that we all want to see. But yeah, talking about a little bit about the Indian team as well. Yeah? They are the hosts eventually. It's, it's surprising that they are not the favorites, but that's not their fault. Again, 2014 was the last time an Indian team played a home test match. And from this current team, it's only Smriti Mandana and Preet Kaur that featured in that test. And out of the entire squad, there's just mean, the two of them.
0: It's impressive that anyone
1: featured in that te- test, 2014, nine years ago. Nine right? years, and ago. they're still going. Fair enough. So, I mean, it's it's kind of new terrain for all of these players, and even even Smithy and Harmanpreet played that test nine years ago. But it's still nine years ago. So, yeah, it's you can't say that. Oh, yeah, they have experience. Mm-hmm. They do generally because they are the two more, two of the most reliable players in the team, but. Yeah, with the Indian team, I think selection again is going to be interesting. I, I think it's pretty well set for now, the players that we're going to see. I'm personally really excited from a bowling standpoint, given we're playing in India, to see someone like a Saikai Shark create IPL as well. And yeah, she's just, again, a new player bursting onto the scene. It'll be very interesting to see how she goes in this test match as well. And it's, I mean... Again, it's Jamima Rodrigues making a test debut. and Mental. Exactly. Absolutely crazy. So, Jameema Rodrigues, who's one of the stars of this team and one of the... Now you can call her a senior player mm-hmm. in this team. is playing her first test match. So I'm really excited to see how she does as well because I think she's one of the most technically sound batters in this team. And it'd be good to see how she does. Shefali Barma at the top is always exciting. We do remember her bit of a a uh, bit of a battle, kind of a battle of words with Catherine Siverbrand the last time these two teams played. Unfortunately, Catherine Siverbrand's not there, but Shefali Verma could get it going with someone else, maybe Kate Cross, you mm-hmm. never know. So I think those kind of small battles will also be fun to see. And Dipti Sharma, I think is going to be a big factor in this test for India as well.
2: I can almost guarantee Charlie Dean won't be leaving her crease too <laughs> early for to, to make sure the man doesn't happen again with that.
1: Well, that's going to be another big talking point very there with, and uh, it was, yeah, with these two teams.
2: With um with that, with the sort of Indian side, as you mentioned, none of them really play in test cricket before. Yeah. Do you think that their skills are quite compatible and, and will transfer over to test cricket very easily? Like, Shivali Verma is a very aggressive batter, but I mean, there's been a lot of proof, particularly in like basketball and, and the way that players like Danny Wyatt um, go about their game that actually aggression can't necessarily be an issue and, and might often help them get on top of bowlers.
1: It could. I mean, I have thought about this uh, with, you know, players. The only option that they have is transferring their white ball skills to the red ball game because they don't play even domestic cricket, multi-day red ball domestic cricket in their countries, not just India. It's so many countries. I think all of them. They don't play. No one has a domestic red ball structure. in the n- women's Nothing
2: game. sort of professionally or, or major enough anyway. No.
1: Exactly. So they're all left to kind of translate their skills and their form in the white ball cricket to the red ball. I think it's going to be dependent case by case. For some of them, it could work. For some of them, it can't. And again, it's no fault of their own. They should be playing more of domestic matches as well. You see... In India, the Ranji Trophy being the feeder mainly for the long format in England, the county championships being the feeder for the red ball test cricket. The women don't have that. So it's, again, that was to say that it's not their fault. But I think many of these players could, will, I think, successfully transition from white ball to red ball. Jamima, again, I think she will, because technically she's very good she's one of the most dependable batters that we have in the ODIs and the T20s as well because she's really improved her T20 game over the years. She was not thought to be a T20 player early on, but she did, and in the ODIs as well. So I think she'll come in well. She'll do really well. Shafali Varma, she's had a decent start to her test, how much of a test cricket that she's played as well. But I think, yeah, again, it's hardly anything one or two test matches maybe I think not more than two that she's played but yeah uh, Shefali is more of a confidence player I think more like Virenda Sehwag is an Indian fan how we remember him back in the day in other cricket news guys before we wrap up today on the one shot podcast Michael and myself spoke to the academy director of the Rajasthan Royals Academy in London so just give you a bit of brief. Rajasthan Royals the IPL team have set up an academy at a couple of places in the UK, and the recent one is the London Academy. Michael and I got a chance to speak to Shaftab Ahmad Khalid, who's the Academy Director over here in London, and we'll cut to some of the few important things that he told us.
5: Uh, Shaftab, just
1: going a little bit more towards the ethos of the Rajasthan Royals Academy. Uh, yeah. It's not just in the UK, but the RRS set up academies in different places in the world as well, not just moving from india in other places as well so if you could just tell me a little bit more about the origins of the concept of having the academy and uh, what actually kickstarted this idea to kind of globalize if i can say that look i mean obviously
5: it's it's a, it's, a, it's a massive huge global brand vai san rose were the first people who won who won the ipo and obviously Since over a decade and so, you know, the cricket has evolved so much. You see many, many international players are, uh, you know, going on to play for in IPL and it's become such a global brand. Now, obviously, after that, effectively, then, you know, the franchise does look for having uh, academies where they provide that opportunity for uh, for young aspiring cricketers to come through their academies to be able to be a part uh, part of the actual franchise team. So they've they already have started in in India and also then then that expanded in in Dubai, and then that expanded in London as well. So so subsequently, you know, obviously, at the aim and the ethos is to to have that platform, like which I mentioned before, uh, is to use that brand name and to uh, you know get the players in, especially with that having that coaching staff, which is the main thing, which makes the core of it. To give you that opportunity, to give you that training program, to give you that have that coaches that who's who's going to actually help you to go further. That's the main thing.
0: So, um, do you think that the academy is going to kind of have a good impact on young people from kind of less privileged backgrounds? I mean, I know cricket has got a bit of a reputation for being a rich kids sport in England. Um, do you think it that is, yeah. <laughs> this academy can kind of change that?
5: Yeah, I, I I definitely think so because uh, look at the end day, you're absolutely right in terms of uh, privileged kids, uh, private school kids, uh, majority makes the uh, county cricket, and uh, yeah, because they have given the platform in terms of how many times they train in the in the in the school. Obviously, you get better and better more training you do. Uh, but in terms of our uh, our way of Rise and Worlds Academy in London, which has just been launched. Is to provide uh, some kind of subsidy for the uh, for around about five people in each age group, which we uh, which we have you know let people aware of um, like the clubs and the parents. So especially those kids over very, very in terms of paying 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 the fee once the training program starts. So yeah, so we have done that in terms of providing that giving them that opportunity to come and train with us and, uh, you know, upskill their, uh, their talent. And, and if they have got something there, then then trying to push them back into country, or even further. Uh, thanks a lot,
1: Shaftab for your time. Michael, uh, I think it was a fun chat yesterday with Shaftab. Very, uh, I would say interesting chat more than anything. What was your biggest takeaway from everything that the Rajasthan Royals Academy is doing in London and the UK?
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, it was an interesting interview. Um, I think the best thing about the, this academy is the work that they're doing for the underprivileged kids. Um, you know, moving away from the kind of reputation in England that it's kind of a posh kid's sport, cricket, you know, um, giving them the opportunity that, like, a sim- maybe it's not going to replicate the opportunity that kids from private schools have, but hopefully a similar kind of, you know, well, they'll definitely have more of an opportunity um, to kind of try and make their way into county cricket or even franchise cricket, but that'll be rare. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a good thing um, for young cricketers in England. I think we're going to see it more. We're going to see them expand to Yorkshire, Manchester, maybe even up north into Scotland. Um, So yeah, it was an interesting one. Good chat. And uh, I've got an article out today um, on the Sports Gazette um, for the full interview. Um, So yeah, give that a read
1: do give that a read guys it's up on the sports gazette along with the other content that we're doing that was that from us on the one short podcast today we'll be coming back with more episodes very soon toby michael thanks a lot for joining us
2: cheers that's another good good first video episode done which is uh happy to be done with
1: yeah and we will look to do more video episodes going forward so stay tuned to the one short podcast wherever you get your podcasts and until next time take care guys and we'll see you soon